Let us go to the word, shall we? We will turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 25. Word reads, and so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was. When the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. Now for the second part of our text, I would ask that we would all turn to Job 2 and 9, where it reads, Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Now there is one thing as a husband and a father that I have never come to doubt, and that is the love, the connection that a mother has with and for her child. Amen. Give the Lord praise for that. There's nothing like a mother's love. The relationship between a mother and a child is very special. A child means the world to its mother, and the mother means the world to her child. It is she who first protects and nourishes and gives her child love and care. It all starts first with mama. It is she who sacrifices so many things in life to give the best to her children. Now, not diminishing the role of fathers as I am a father myself, but the most common word cried on the battlefield by dying soldiers is the word mama. I know from experience that there is something about a mother's love and concern for her children that can sometimes move her out of her rational, logical mind. Especially that first-time mother. It will have her child wearing a big coat in warm weather so that he doesn't catch a cold. It will have her about to completely turn the doctor's office over when they give her child a shot that makes that baby cry. It will have her wanting to spank other people's kids if they mess with her child. We've all heard the urban legends of how a mother fueled by desperation and adrenaline was able to lift a car off her child to free them from a burning wreckage. 
Whether it's true or not, we don't know, but we've all heard that story. There are women who never recovered from the loss of a child. Women who, who even in their senior years were never able to expect the pain of a child that was lost in their youth. Or women who didn't make it to old age because they simply died of a broken heart. That is a pain that as a man I will never know and hope to never feel as a parent. I don't know if it is self-hatred or hopelessness or extreme selfishness or mental illness that would make a woman leave her child in a dumpster, thrown away like garbage or drown her child in a bathtub. We as men usually never pause to think about Eve's pain as a mother at losing her son Abel or the fact that it was her other son Cain that killed him. Her pain at losing one son was only exacerbated by the fact that the other son was cursed and sent away, presumably never to be seen by her again. I'm sure that Eve loved both of her sons dearly, but ultimately she lost both of them. As men, we usually never pause to think about the pain of the two young mothers in 1 Kings 3 and 16 who approached King Solomon for the life of a young baby boy. We usually don't think about the horror and the pain felt by one of the young mothers who in her affection for her child ended up smothering him to death as she slept and held him too close to her. Upon finding out what she had done, she snuck into the room of her housemate and tried to steal her friend's child to raise it as her own. We as men usually never pause to consider the horror of the real mother as Solomon, the wise king, commands one of his captains to cut the child in half and divide him between the two women. We rarely consider the pain of that mother that would have rather seen her son raised by another woman than have him cut in half. It was that same love and desperation in her voice that let King Solomon know who the real mother was. As men, we rarely stop to consider the anguish of the two mothers in 2 Kings 6 and 28, who when their city was under siege and facing desperation and starvation and hopelessness, decided to eat their two babies. One decided to eat one woman's baby. They decided to eat one of the women's babies on one day. And then they were going to eat the other woman's baby on another day. 
Where do you have to go in your mind? What kind of situation do you have to be facing to decide to eat your child? As a man, I can never imagine the hell that that mother had to have gone through as she killed, boiled, and divided and ate her own child to survive. It's in the word. I could never imagine the pain and anger that she must have felt as her former friend hid her own baby so that he wouldn't be killed and eaten when it was his turn to die the next day. We usually focus on the larger context of that story, and we never even stop to consider the pain and the anguish of those two women. And even though the, that account has a happy ending, as we usually tell it for the rest of the city that day, those two women were never the same. I think of Hagar running away trying to cover her ears in anguish so that she didn't have to listen to the cries of a young Ishmael as he suffered thirst and starvation when she was sent away from Abraham. I think of her pain and desperation as she looked to the sky. Young single mother, just put out of her home, her community, as she wondered what she was going to do next. I think also of a young Virgin Mary, close to 15, maybe 16 years old, the love that she must have felt as she looked down at her newborn baby boy. The Messiah, just a few weeks old. I sometimes try to imagine her pain as she looked at Jesus' crucifixion. She had to be only around 46 years old. I know in the movies they try to show Mary as being older, but she was only about 46 years old. I try to imagine her fear, her doubt her confusion, and her joy as she heard about his resurrection. Did he ever go see her as the resurrected Lord? Did Jesus at least go see his mama after he arose from the dead? Most of us know the story of Job about how when one day Satan was among the sons of God and they were reporting to the Almighty and how God boasted on the righteousness of his servant Job and Satan challenged God to remove the hedge of protection that he had placed around Job's life. See what happens when you take your hand of safety and provision off of Job's life. Watch him curse you. And in one day, Job lost all of his possessions and all of his children. Soon after that, he was stricken with a deadly, painful disease. Now, at his lowest point, when he is at his saddest moment, his darkest hour, and at, in the greatest amount of pain that he had ever felt, his wife speaks the words of our second text to him. Do you still hold fast to your integrity? 
curse God and die. Now, this is the only statement that is attributed to Job's wife in the entire Bible. The only words preserved out of time and history from her. You hear talk of Job's mean old wife, but how would you like to be identified and judged for all eternity by one sentence that you spoke at the lowest, most painful point in your life? Even her husband Job cursed the day that he was born in chapter 3. But as I thought about the words that Job's wife spoke to him as he was lying on what seemed to be his deathbed, it occurred to me that because of her words to Job, we don't give her the same sympathy as we would another woman that had just lost all of her children. In Jeremiah 31 and 15 and in Matthew 2 and 18, it says, a voice was heard in Ramah. Lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. You see, we sympathize with Rachel in these scriptures, but we have never allowed Job's wife as a mother to feel that same pain. We seem to forget that those were also her children that died, and she did not love them any less than any of us love our children. We're usually always focusing on Job at that point in time that we forget that she was their mama. They were her same children that she carried in her womb. The same children that she used to give a bath to and put too much oil and lotion on them. The same children that she used to lay out their clothes and wipe food off of their faces. The same children that she used to fix their hair and nurse back from colds and sickness. How do you measure the pain of a mother that a mother feels when her children are in pain? How do you measure the hope that she feels when she looks at them and wishes that she could, through sheer force of will, protect them from everything that could hurt them in the world? How do you measure the pain of a mother that has lost all of her children at once? And it wasn't like today where a woman has a choice whether she wants to be a mother or not. No deciding between family or career at this time. Job's wife lost everything that by ancient cultural standards made her complete. She lost everything by those standards that made her a woman. You see, we really don't know what happened to Job's wife. Nothing is mentioned about her except her telling Job to curse God and die. In fact, the Bible really doesn't tell us what happened to her. The next thing we hear about Job being married is that all that he lost was restored. 
But what happened to her? The Bible never, in fact, says that he got a new wife. Since divorce wasn't too nice to old women, to women in the Old Testament and in the ancient world, we can only surmise that she probably descended into darkness and that she could not recover from the, and, and that she took the advice that she gave Job and that she herself cursed God and died of a broken heart. We don't know. It doesn't say. Now, I don't believe that any of us would actually ever try to curse God. I mean, that's simply the height of insanity. But there are those of us that still live with the pain and the bitterness that life has given to us. And even though you might not have gone through that tragic, traumatic experience, if you are alive, at some point in time, you are going to feel pain because it rains on the just and the unjust alike. You pray to God for the healing of your father or mother or other close relative, and they still died. You prayed about that job, and you still didn't get it. You prayed for God to save your marriage, and it still ended. They still foreclosed on your house. You prayed that God would save your son, save your daughter, save your wife, save your husband, and things just seem to be getting worse. You've prayed that God would bless you with a spouse and you're still single. You've prayed to God and things still didn't work out and it hurts. And you want to know why. Why are we made to feel pain? To tell you the truth, an answer isn't really been given in the Bible. The closest thing to this question being asked in Scripture was when Job asked God why he went through all of that pain that he went through. And if you'll read, that didn't go very well for Job, did it? But in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12, it says, For now I see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as also I am known. We are not told why in life. We are just told to trust and believe. Amen. So one thing that we can agree upon for certain is at one point in time in your life or another, whether you believe in God or not, you're going to go through something. The question, beloved, then becomes, how do you deal with situations that make pain inevitable? How are we to deal when life brings tragedy to us personally? The first part of our text tells of a young lady whom we've come to know as the Shunammite woman. 
We don't know much about her except to say that she loved the Lord and she sought to support the work of the Lord and the ministry of his prophet Elisha. Earlier in the word, she asked her husband to build a room for the man of God so that he would have a place to stay whenever he was in the area. Her husband agreed, and the prophet Elisha was so appreciative for what they have done that he said that he would grant her any request she had, being that he had such a close relationship with the king. She said that she didn't desire anything of the prophet or the king that she had everything that she needed. But Elisha's assistant Gehazi reminded him that she did not have a son. Which to us in this time might not seem like much of a big deal, but at that time it was important because as a woman aged and eventually became a woman, I mean a widow, it would be her son that would take care of her. So Elisha told this woman who was barren and could not have children that she was going to have a son. She said, don't play with me. I can't have children. But she ended up getting a blessing that she didn't ask for. Amen. That if you love the Lord, he'll sometimes bless you when you're not even asking for it. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise. That's right. You all had the right idea right there. That if you love the Lord, sometimes he will bless you from a direction that you're not even looking. You love the Lord, you're looking over here, he'll bless you from over there. <laughs> so all of a sudden, this woman who had resigned herself to never being a mother soon had a child, a baby boy. Everything that a mother feels for her child, she felt for this baby boy, carrying him for nine months, birthing him into the world. The pain of labor and childbirth, no epidural, caring for him. Somebody over there knows what I'm talking about. Caring for him. Nursing him, loving him, feeling how soft he was, the smell of his skin, feeling a love inside of her grow that she didn't think existed. She feels all of this. This baby grew into an energetic little boy, full of brightness, life, and curiosity. Well, one day as her little son was out in the field with his father, he, the little boy complained that his, his head was hurting real bad, so his father sent him home to his mother. And when he got to his mother, he, he lay down, and she had him put his little head on her lap. And while he was laying there, he slipped away and died while he was laying with his head on her lap. At that time, she then feels all the pain that a mother and a parent can feel. Now remember, she didn't even ask to be a mother. 
But because her heart was in the right place, she was blessed beyond her wildest imagination. And now it seems that that blessing was snatched away from her. All that love built up just to be taken away. She may have felt that it would have been better that she never had a child, that she had never been blessed in the first place if she was going to have to feel all of this pain. But something happens here. Whereas the rest of us probably would have sank into a deep, dark depression, the Shunammite woman seemed to know something. She knew that God wouldn't bless her with something that she didn't ask for in the first place just to take it away. She knew that God had to have something in mind. Or if not, she knew in whom she trusted. And she knew that whatever happened, God was still on the throne. Look at your neighbor and say, God is still on the throne. So she took and laid her son's little body in the room that she had built for the man of God. And she went straight to where she heard Elisha was. As a sidebar, this lets us know that if we make room for the Lord in our lives, that when something happens that's too big for us, we can put that thing in the space that we've made for the Lord and go straight to him. That's just a little extra game I can give you on the side, a little spiritual game right there. Make room for the Lord in your life. So she laid her son's body who had just died in the room that she had built for the prophet and she went to where she knew the man of God was. And while she was afar off, the man of God, Elisha, sees her and sends his assistant out to meet her and ask her how she is doing, to ask her, is it well with her? Is it well with her husband? Is it well with the child. And with the pain of her son's death still fresh in her heart and in her thoughts, when she is asked how is it, she looks at Gehazi and says, it is well. And they kept going. When she made it to the prophet and he asked, how are things going? She said the same thing. It is well. But Elisha could tell that something was wrong. And so he inquired further and found out that in fact, this woman's son was actually laying at home at that very second dead. Now how could she say that it is well while her child lay dead at home, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. How could she do that? Some of us would have to ask if this woman had gone completely insane. Some would say that the pain of her son's death had caused her to lose her mind. That she was in denial or that she had become delusional. 
But to the world, great faith looks like insanity. The world doesn't understand faith. Nor does it understand peace beyond all understanding. They say that that's insane. But we need to learn how to say it is well, which is the title of our sermon. They look at your neighbor and say, it is well. It may seem crazy, but when life tries to put the hurt on you, say, it is well. When you get that bad report from the doctor, say, it is well. When you're having trouble in your relationships, say, it is well. Peace beyond all understanding sounds insane, and it's not easy, but peace beyond all understanding is what I'm trying to have. And it all starts with us saying, and say it with me, it is well. Hallelujah. But Elisha went back to the Shunammite woman's house, and in the power of God, he raised that little boy up from the dead. God restored to her what she had lost. God gave it all back to her. Oh, somebody out there, give the Lord praise. She got her joy back. How many of you know that if you give the Lord praise, he'll give you your joy back? <laughs> but when the Shunammite woman gave her answer, it is well, it proved that she was already in the flow of faith in her future, and she knew that it was well, even though she was not sure what was going to happen. You don't know what the future holds. You might only see the circumstances that you are dealing with, but all you have to do is say it is is well and that is the first step to moving forward into victory we need to all be like the Shunammite woman some of you might still be in the same situation that you've been in the position where you have sought God and received his blessing you then saw the promise grow for a while but then you saw it die right before your eyes you were helpless, and at that time, you feel in a situation, in a worse situation than you did before. But you see, what you need to remember is that when you're in God, and God is in you, it only ever ends in it is well. If it is not well at the moment, then you know that that is not God, because God only ever ends in it is is well. If it is not well at the moment, then you know that it is not over because God only ever ends in it is well. When things seem at their worst, you can say that you know that this is not the end because God only ever ends in it is well. We don't have to wait till the battle is over. We can shout now because we know that in the end, we're going to win. Somebody say hallelujah. When Elijah's servant Gehazi asked the Shunammite woman how it is going, she knew exactly what to say. It is 
well. When you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you know that it is well. All you have to do is keep your eyes and your mind stayed on him and he will keep you in perfect peace. Now it doesn't mean that you're never gonna have a problem. In life, you're still gonna have to go through. But you can have the assurance that God is still on the throne. And he said that everything happens. Everything happens for the good of though, not some things, not a couple things, but everything happens for the good of those that love him. We can have the assurance that he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us. Thoughts that we would have a future. Thoughts that we would have a hope. We know that God only ends and it is well. I know I'm talking to somebody here because somebody's dealing with a situation and you don't know how to come out of that. You're wondering what tomorrow holds, but you need to realize who holds tomorrow. And he said, it is well. Hallelujah. Since I like to consider myself an optimist, and since we don't know for certain, I like to think that through her pain and loss that Job's wife eventually learned to say, it is well. I like to think that she was right there with Brother Job to see God restore all that had been lost. I like to think that God reached down and did not have her go through all of that pain as a mother who lost all of her children to leave her in that dark place. Some of us have been in a dark place and we said some things out of our pain that we wish we had not said. But God is faithful and his mercy is new every morning. Give the Lord praise for new mercy. Hallelujah. I have to believe that if there was hope for her, that there was also hope for me, that there is also hope for you. You see, the Shunammite woman believed in what God had done for her, and she believed in him more than she believed what she saw happening with her natural eyes. Like our scripture today said, Habakkuk 3 and 17, she said, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice. Yet I will rejoice. Yet I will joy in the God of my salvation, because he only ever ends, and it is well. Oh, let's take a few seconds to give the Lord a yet praise in here. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a yet praise in the house of the Lord on today. I will bless the Lord at all times. Not just the good times, but at all times. His praise will always be in my mouth. Somebody give the Lord a yet praise on today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yet I will rejoice. 
Jesus told his disciples many times that he was going to be arrested, falsely accused, tried, executed, and that he would rise from the dead. He told them that it is well before they even knew what he was talking about. He knew that when Judas betrayed him and they came to arrest him in Gethsemane, that it was well. When they began to mock him and beat him, he knew then that it was well. When Peter denied him, he knew that it was well. When they pressed that crown of thorns on his head, he knew that it was well. When they nailed his hands on that cross, he knew that it was well. He died knowing that it was well. When he walked out of that grave alive three days later, it was well. Hallelujah. 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 But because he defeated death, we know that it is well. No matter what situation we are faced with, we can have peace beyond all understanding. Even when faced with death, we can say it is well. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future and life is worth the living just because I know he lives. Because he lives, we know that it is well. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well, it is well with my soul. Oh, and everyone stand up and give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. It is well with my soul. It's all right now. It's all right now. God said it's all right now. It's all right now. It's all right now. God said it's all. Oh, come on, just worship him. Just worship him. It's all right now. It's all right now. God said it's all right now. Whoa. close. This is the most important part of our service. 
Someone here right now is in the middle of a painful situation. A situation that you might not understand. A situation that may be asking you, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Why am I facing all of this pain? I believe, I trust God. Why is this happening to me? Someone here may be seeking the face of the Lord for something and praying that he would do something in your life and in your situation. And if that is you, no matter how long you've been going here, no matter how long you've been in relationship with the Lord, you may have been saved for years, or you might even just be wondering what all of this is about, but you're still needing something. You're still wondering what all of this is for, why you're dealing with this situation. We want you to come forward right now. It doesn't matter what the situation is. If there is something that is trying to steal your peace away, something you're seeking the face of the Lord for, just come down here to the altar. We're going to pray with you. We're going to stand with you. We want to support you. We want to lift you up. We want to go before the throne of the Lord together. Just come on down here. We want you to know that you are not alone. It's all right now. God said it's all right now. It's all right now. It's all right now. God said it's all right now. It's all right now. It's all right now. God said it's all right now. Oh, the Lord wants me to remind you that all things happen. Do you want a word from the Lord? Do you want a word of prophecy? I'm here to let you know all things happen for the good of those that love the Lord. Oh, we're still in prayer. Our heads are still bowed. Our eyes are still closed. We are still in prayer. So now, Lord, we pray for your sons and daughters that have come before you. Each of them are asking that you would do something in their lives and situations today. But they now come before you even in the midst of their pain and even in the midst of their troubles and situations, even in the midst of their brokenness, to say, it is well. Please continue to strengthen and sustain them. Please continue to give us all the strength to say, it is well. Because you are faithful. Because you promised that you would never leave us. Help us to remember that you only ever end and it is well. And Lord, we also thank you for these who have come to give their lives to you. We thank you that no matter what happens in life, we can say that it is well when we give our lives to you. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We believe that he only ever ends, and it is well. 
So everyone, please repeat after me and pray this prayer with me. Dear precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son to die for our sins. We thank you that you only ever end and it is well. Lord God, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We believe that he came to die for our sins. We believe that he rose again on the third day. We ask that he please forgive us for our sins. Please forgive us for the wrong that we've done. Please forgive us for the wrong that we've been. We ask that he come into our heart right now so that we too can say it is well. And we will live the rest of our lives in his victory. We will live the rest of our lives in his forgiveness. We will live the rest of our lives in his power. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Oh, let's give the Lord praise on today. It is well. Somebody just got saved on today. Somebody is on their way to a new life. Somebody is on their way to victory. Oh, come on, saints. Let's give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah.